Hi everyone, it's Brad Hook here from the Resilience Institute and I'm joined today by Stuart Taylor who's the CEO of Springfox in Australia and Manish Oneja who's our managing partner from Southeast Asia. How are you guys today? Yeah, fantastic, fantastic, Brad. Thanks so Thank much you. for joining. So today we're having a discussion about remote working which has become the norm in a very short amount of time for workers and companies around the world, people are still struggling to get to grips with it. I think many families are starting to come to terms with this new way of living and working, uh, including ourselves. So uh, I'll pass it over to you guys. Manish, how has your life changed? How's the lockdown going for you? Uh, for me, I've, many other days I've been working from home for the last two, three years. And uh, speaking to my friends and people around, they're pretty happy, actually working from home because they're feeling quite productive, they are able to connect some time with their families, able to get a lot of work done. So on a general level, myself, I, I have been used to it, so for me it's not really new. Um, social life may have been got, in, got impacted based in Singapore. However, people around me are pretty, pretty okay in mm. the way they're working and the way they're able to adjust to. Maybe it's Singapore, uh, maybe that's why I can say that. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, good. Okay. And Pretty easy. when I was doing some research for the article, which I published on our website, it did seem like Singapore has been prepared for this for a long time. They've offered flexible working arrangements for a while. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. So a lot of people in Singapore work from home and uh, the, the employers do not require them to go to the office and get the work done as long as there is clear accountability, they know what's going to happen and they meet once a week or twice a week if they're required to. And also mm -hmm. the space in Singapore is quite expensive, so a lot of offices have moved to small virtual offices rather than paying a lot of fixed costs as rent. Now we have, in uh, Singapore, which is a small country, we have about 78 shared offices, which with wow. Regas and others. So many people work remotely. So the, a company which used to have a huge square footage area now have five desks. They cannot actually invite all the people to come to the city to, to work. So mm -hmm. hence, it's, it's quite common now, especially with the new age companies. Uh, we work with like Grab and uh, Grab has big offices, but few small ones. They don't ask them, the employees to come office every day. Mm, interesting, very progressive. And Stuart, how's everything in Australia? How's your situation? Well, uh, look, of course, for everybody, it's um, it's a, a different uh, setup. I think that's the case for everyone on this phone call, but more generally. But um, life changes, and one needs to adjust to that. I think. Um, in a way, we're fortunate we have a, a space at home which is a, um, a separate place to the, the broader part of the house so we can actually get some separation when we are doing work but also uh, then re-engage when we seek to do that. So it's actually quite a, a good demarcation, so it's working really well. Uh, I think an interesting bit has been the uh, getting the whole team set up to do the same uh, and getting comfort with um, that new environment and, uh, in a way, being creative to make that work in whatever situation that they're um, living in. And I think we're pretty well 
uh, got to that place and mm. it's getting new mechanisms in place where we do maintain that communication has been an adjustment, uh, in, a, in a way a novelty, uh, but, you know, it's a, everyone's in the same boat, so it becomes quite a, a bonding uh, process is what I've found. Yeah, absolutely. I found that as well. There's a lot of, in fact, I'm finding I'm having more informal chats with clients and uh, colleagues than I would normally have, and it's actually quite nice. These They're not mm. rushed meetings or calls. People are in their own space, and there's a lot of empathy. People are in their own <laughs> the connection. It's quite, quite. I lovely. agree. Mm. I agree. I think it's also when you think about the, for many people, the uh, less commute time that everyone now has. You know, so you can actually use that time to build in other really important things in your life, uh, like exercise, like those communications mm. that perhaps you know, um, weren't there so much in the past. Yeah, definitely. Mm. I've noticed that. Yeah, uh, here in New Zealand, we're fortunate in that it's not a complete lockdown, so exercising is still allowed. Mm. And uh, I mentioned to Stuart earlier, I've had the luxury of going for little bike rides with my daughter, something we've never done before. Mm. And she's just going, this is amazing. I hope this lockdown yeah. happens forever. She associates <laughs> with really positive mummy and daddy time. So it's different for everyone. Uh, I was in a workshop yesterday, and apparently dogs are suffering from a syndrome called wagging tail syndrome, and dogs are injuring their tails because they're so happy that their families are at home every day. <laughs> Interesting. So uh, a quick question to get your opinions. Uh, how can people stay well during the lockdown? Because when we're in our home environment, there's always the temptation to stay in our pyjamas all day and potentially watch more Netflix, drink the extra few glasses of wine, and, you know, maybe that's justified. But uh, any tips for staying staying well, practical? Sure. Well, I'm happy to jump in with that yeah. one. I, I think the, the uh, really important uh, choice here is to, yes, enjoy the... Um, you know, the greater freedom of being at home, but also, importantly, to have a level of discipline that comes with that. And I think the extent to which you don't means you'll either underwork or overwork. And both of those, I think, in time become a negative. And, and so having some level of structure, and for some people that might mean, you know, I stay with some you know, um, dress code or it might mean I move to a different part of the house. Um, I, you know, have a, um, a schedule for my day that might be, you know, every 90 minutes I, I go hard, then I take a break and do something enjoyable. Uh, but it's, it's having some sense of uh, rhythm and rituals of the day that allows you to be productive, to be connected, uh, rather than, you know, being at the, the mercy of the environment, if you like. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So creating some structure, it's really important. Yeah. Manish? I would, yeah, I would like to add, uh, Stuart raised that point really well. Working from home for quite a number of years, I think that is really key. For me, 8 a.m. on my desk is foundational. Before that is my me time. I don't check my phone. I have my meditation, yoga, all that done, 6.30 to 8.00. And I know before 8, I'm not at my desk. When I'm at my desk, it's very clear it's work time. There's nothing else going on. So I'm at my desk right now. I know this is my space. I'm going to be doing a lot of stuff. 
Yeah, but whereas when I was speaking to a colleague of mine in New Zealand, uh, he was a rewards head for a big firm in New Zealand, and he's been remote working for the last two weeks. So he messaged me. He said, man, that's a great idea. I'm working from home, chilling out. And I said, be mindful, you know. A mind can fill ourselves with a lot of clutter. When you have a lot of free space, you will see a lot of distraction going on. Like you're going into Google Earth, you can not stop looking around and, you know, just the day can pass at 11, 12 and you realize nothing productive has been done. So in this space, as what Stuart mentioning, having uh, a regular wake-up time of, from sleep would be foundational. Mm-hmm. Having regular task lists of what I want to achieve because... Uh, I'm just going back two, three years later, uh, before, when I have nothing um, as my guiding principle, one week will go and I will be beating myself, thinking, what have I done? What have I accomplished? You know, because I'm working at home. There's no acknowledgement. Your boss is not with you. Uh, Nobody is telling you how well you have done. But you need to create your own standards. When you have no standards, you don't know how am I doing against those standards. And it can become very lopsidedly. Second, you lose your own respect and accountability from your teammates. So I just wanted to add here, it's very, very important. Self-discipline and focus. Mm, Absolutely, yeah. And I think that using the fact that you're in a comfortable environment, I can go outside and skip with a skipping rope or go for a little walk down the street, whereas I may not do that when I'm in a big high-rise building in the middle of a city. You know, you can just walk to the lunchroom, whereas being at home enables you to maybe start creating some habits that will support you beyond the lockdown. So that regular wake-up time, uh, going for a little walk at lunchtime, maybe still looking after things like diet and nutrition because it's very tempting. The fridge is right there behind this ridiculous green screen that I've set up. There's a fridge just down there. And it's very <laughs> tempting to go and just snack all day when I might not do that in a work environment. So being aware of those kinds of habits. I think, yeah, I, I agree with that. Brad. I think um, when you're looking at how you're managing that time, um, I think when you're looking at a, setting up a break schedule, um, it's almost setting up with something that you really enjoy doing. Yeah. yeah. And that might be going for a bike ride with, with your daughter. It might be, you know, doing some exercise or, you know, having a, a cup of coffee, whatever it might be. Uh, but it is a rewarding break. They could go for five minutes or 30 minutes. And so in that 90 minutes that you're doing that work, you've actually got a, a tangible uh, target. To, to be hitting rather than as nebulous on here all day doing stuff. Mm. Uh, yeah, definitely. And, and what, what's your routine, Stuart, for your break of five minutes? After 90 minutes, what do you usually do to rejuvenate yourself? Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a mixture. And I think uh, most importantly, uh, it, uh, where possible, does need to include external uh, exposure. And so I noticed yesterday... I didn't do that as well as I could have. And at the end of the day, thought, you know, I did it first thing in the morning as part of exercise and so on. But the rest of the day, I didn't do it so well. And at the end of the day, I was starting to feel a little stir crazy. And thought, this is, I've got to get back into that idea of every 90 minutes, get outside, uh, go for a walk with, with, you know, a family member, whatever it might be, uh, and just be in that, in that zone. Uh, mm. So important to be getting sunshine where possible. Yeah, okay, definitely. thank you. Definitely, that makes a lot of sense. And maybe even scheduling those breaks into the diary so that you you don't have colleagues calling you during 
what you've specified as your, you know, little yeah. bit of relaxation time, especially if you're trying to get into flow or deep focus in those 90 mm. minutes. Yeah. And right. I think the best way you can do that, uh, Brad, is uh, when you do go for that walk, if your mobile phone doesn't stay mobile, it stays at home. Oh, I love that. I love <laughs> yeah, you get that break because it's actually, it actually is a chosen time where I'm spending time in the moment uh, doing that. Yeah, and want to add here too, uh, when you talk about breaks, when you talk about focus work, you also have a separate time for email, focus work, breaks. So sometimes people mix it up and the whole concentration mm-hmm. goes away. So if you're working on a project, I would suggest, especially when you're working remotely, to have perhaps 90 minutes and then 10 minutes for your email and then 5, 10 minutes, as Stuart says, or 80 minutes, whatever your routine that works for you. For me, it works uh, two hours, uh, about one hour, 45 minutes, and then I'll do 15 minutes of email and I'm done mm. for that two-hour schedule because I am not going for a break thinking of what email may have come in those two hours and I don't open the email when I'm doing that one hour and 30, 40 minutes of work. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's not always, as Stuart says, we sometimes fail and of course, can yeah. go on for time. Uh, I think that's a, that's a great tip, batch processing emails, because I can't imagine what the impact of those little Microsoft Office uh, pop-ups that appear in the top right-hand corner in the taskbar of most corporates' inboxes uh, has been over the years. It's huge, right? That distracting mm-hmm. effect of a constant ping and then the yeah. dopamine rush of clicking through to have a quick look and, and the cortisol yeah. spike when it's not something you want. Mm-hmm. And especially when I, people are working remotely, because I have done for previous <laughs> organization, people were worried in my team that if I am not replying back to the email, that means I'm not working. So it's very important as leaders to inform their team. If they're working, they don't have to reply back immediately. It doesn't mean that they're not working. I have trust with my team member that as long as things are getting done, but people usually in Asia, especially in Southeast Asia, were think of replying back email quickly to say that I'm on my computer, I'm getting my work mm-hmm. done. And it's important to get that boundaries clarified with your managers. Definitely. Um, and, and something I will mention at the end, but seeing as we're on topic, is for managers to set the tone because if the leader is sending emails at 10 p.m. at night or on the weekend, you know, across the organization, the expectation, or everyone feels the expectation to be on call 24-7. And that's, I don't okay. think that's useful in a remote working context. Very destabilizing. It is, yeah. So what are some some skills that can help families who are now in lockdown together trying to adjust to routines? Some families with older kids, you know, there might be two parents trying to work remotely, maybe in shifts. Older kids are adjusting to learning online, and that's a big adjustment for many of them. And younger kids, like my daughter, she's in her first year of school, her first three months, two months of school, uh, there's just no chance. Uh, the teachers haven't even figured out how to use tools like Zoom yet, so we'll see what happens in a couple of weeks. But any tips for helping maintain family cohesion over the over the lockdown? Stuart, maybe? Sure, so um, I think um, the, uh, the example I would give actually is a couple of years ago, uh, my mother took our whole family tree on a cruise, which of course is something that one wouldn't do these days at the moment, at least. Yeah. And so uh, on this boat going around New Zealand, in fact, and uh, so there was uh, 17 of us, uh, my mother, us, uh, six of the next level and then the rest of the uh, grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And the approach that we took 
on a, on a cruise was uh, everybody had to be around that dinner table uh, at night to have a family dinner. Uh, it, and that was just sensational. But the rest of the day, uh, you, off you'd go and have your own space. And I, I think it's actually similar to uh, what we're talking about here because the cruise ship happens to be your home <laughs> and uh, uh, everybody needs their own space. Uh, otherwise, I think it does become you know, very, very difficult and sparks all sorts of uh, emotions. Um, however, there also needs to be connection. And, and what we've discovered is, uh, you know, having that family meal. Uh, I, I'm not sure we've played as many board games over the last month, uh, you know, just incredible even, uh, amount of reconnection on those more basic ways that families can combine. So it's just been beautiful to see that happening. So it's a connection, and, but also ability to have space. And thanks, thanks to it. Brad, can I add? Please. Yeah, I, I also think that we talk about resilience and the key area of resilience is to looking at the environment. Earlier, people are adjusted to working from the office. So the stimulus or what's happening in the environment is my boss, the office, the timing, people coming to my desk, coming and doing things. But now, suddenly, that doesn't exist. What exists now is my kids roaming around or the dog barking or the noise of construction next to my house. And as we talk about resilience, we need to understand how is my relationship to these events evolving? You know, how do I act or react to these events? Because it's very easy when your boss says something in the office, you can control yourself because it's a stimulated environment and you, you might jeopardize your, your, your career if you do something badly. But when you're in an environment here, shouting, screaming, or getting angry and frustrated could be easy when you're not being mindful of it. So my offer is to be watchful of that stimulus and play it in your head. If that happens, if I'm on a call, what can I do to uh, not have it happen? That means I tell my kids, I'm in the workspace and I'm having this meeting, so please don't disturb me. Or we have 15 minutes of break time at 11 to 11.15, father or mother, and we can chat together and have a connection time. And the third thing is to be aware of what, how you react to those stimulus in that situation. Can I breathe down, make sure my composure is maintained, uh, etc., and managing my impulse as well. So I think that's also important, other than what Stuart mentioned, that's having a quality break or scheduled dinner time so they feel mm. connected. Managing yourself is also important when the environment has changed. Definitely. I, I, I think that's very important. And you mentioned impulse control and we cover that in depth in our programs. Mm. But just recognizing when we start to feel our emotions rising, potentially some of those destructive emotions, calm ourselves down, reevaluate the situation, create some boundaries where possible. It's tough with some younger kids, but maybe taking shifts. One parent has their deep focus time. Remember, in flow state, we're potentially up to 500% more productive, so maybe there's one parent's flow time and another parent's flow time. And in between, you give full, unadulterated attention to the child. Uh, I suppose it's different for everyone, but I have heard some amazing stories, as Stuart mentioned, of families bonding and reconnecting and learning, you know, basically meeting their kids. There's an article in the newspaper today about this mum who feels like she's just 
uh, been introduced to her child, and it's an amazing <laughs> experience. And and also people experience uh, your real emotions very well. I can give you an example. One year back, I was in a call with a leader, very senior leader, working from home. And at the back, there was a mosquito fumigation guy outside the house. <laughs> yeah. And that fumigation machine, you can imagine, was really noisy. And rather than acting calm, I could hear him using very poor use of language. Mm. And shouting from his balcony to that guy. Now, that guy doesn't yeah. know he's in a webinar or, or a call with me. And at that moment, I noticed that if he can act this way, perhaps he's more predisposed to um, not being a very great leader for his team. So mm. that gave a little bit of a bad, rough feeling in my head about that person mm. yeah, on how he treated that individual. So be mindful on how you are <laughs> behaving in these environments. It, your team can see this. Yeah, yeah. And maybe creating a shared story. I, I, I love the idea of this is the situation and framing it in a positive way. And, you know, we have the opportunity to spend more time together. We're going to save some money because we're not going to be traveling. We're going to uh, have time to, to enjoy lunches together. We never do that as a family. And all of these little positives that uh, this, this brings out. Uh, so I, I think having a shared story about how we're going to get through this and the importance of when the parents are working, that's real work time. And when we're all playing together, that's play time. And coming up with a solution, it's going to be different for every family. It was funny the other day, Brad, uh, our oldest uh, lad who's 23 years old uh, cooked the whole family dinner. Uh, it's actually very rare to see him around the dinner table, let alone <laughs> cooking. Cooked it from go to woe, just outstanding, and really was outstanding. <laughs> and, Amazing. Uh, yeah. Who is this person? So it was just, yeah, you know, well, right. exactly right. Coming together and, and you know, create us, creating a sense of, um, for family. Yeah, wow. for sure. That's brilliant. Yeah. That's amazing. So, on a practical level, uh, we've covered a little bit of this, but staying productive in the home environment. Any tips uh, from headphones to locking yourself in another room or anything that you definitely shouldn't do, like uh, working on your bed, perhaps? Mm-hmm. I think in a way we, we probably covered a fair bit of it. I, yeah. I think uh, you know, talked about a couple of the um, key resilience competencies and I know from our collective research research at the Resilience Institute in Spring Fox that one of the the top uh, competencies for a resilient person is focus and I I think there is an enormous opportunity that this um, fortunate situation does present for us and that is how do we work on building our focus and it is a learnable skill. And you, you, how do you learn it? You learn it by uh, creating that that sense of mindfulness even for short amounts of time, and then over time ex- extend that to that you know that ninety minutes cycle that we talked about before. So mm-hmm. you know, in a way, it's saying what can I be doing to uh, nurture that competency and stay uh, more focused than not. And then part of that is also that that reward of after 90 minutes, refocusing on something that's separate to that and yeah. uh, that you can get joy from as well. Yeah, um, thanks to it. My addition to this would be coming from corporate is um, 
keeping, we covered a bit, but keeping accountable to yourself. Because if you don't deliver what you expect to deliver to your team, uh, productivity can go down. Mind can start to do a lot of chatter. Emotion can fill with yourself with guilt. Uh, self-worth can go down. Lots of things. So accountability is, I would say, a must. To be accountable to yourself. Mm-hmm. That I, my company is paying me for this time. I need to give my best of what I used to do, at least, or if not better, uh, in that time period. And my team is waiting for some report to happen. The more you do it, the more you see the productivity sharpening up because you are sharpening your own saw, right? And when you can do that, if your self-discipline like a muscle of resilience mm-hmm. grows, you will see when you go back to work, things will be so different, so different. People will see you as a different person because you have developed the skill of self-discipline which mm-hmm. a lot of people in mental fitness talk about, right? Self-discipline, grit. Yeah. It's, you can use that to improve your productivity. Absolutely, yeah. And yeah. One way to join those uh, our two comments together uh, <laughs> is uh, uh, I've become much more disciplined uh, around my to-do lists. And yeah. um, every morning I sit down and say, what are some of the carryovers from yesterday? What am I hoping to achieve this week? And therefore, what what is my list for today? And mm. uh, here's my here is my list for today, which you'll see very briefly. There it is. Now it's gone. Um, <laughs> but it says these are things that I hope to achieve today. And as they, they're ticking off uh, throughout the day uh, in those different focus periods, then you know to me that is one way to to get that uh, reward for uh, those accomplishments and being focused. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I really and, like that. Uh, one tool that I use here, I can share, is what I am sharing here, is uh, is uh, is an AnyDo, which is an Any.do. You can download it on your Windows, if you, mm-hmm. and you can download it on your phone. Keep your task list like Stuart does. Really helps. And when you take it off, you feel a sense of accomplishment. You don't mm-hmm. need a pat on the back. You are giving a pat on the back for yourself. So like Stuart, I think really helps. Uh, Any.do is a great tool. I mean, you can do other tools online for productive. I really, I really like that. I might as well share mine for a second. I've uh, started using Trello, Raspberry, uh, ah. and I just really like the fact that you can click on the task and drag it across to the right-hand side. So it's a very agile methodology, and you create your tasks. You've got a repository of them. There's probably a few for you guys in there. Uh, priority tasks, and then I drag them into today. And there's, I even have an in-progress queue, so I don't get distracted <laughs> into the into the done queue. It's very satisfying. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite satisfying. Yeah, it's satisfying. Uh, yeah, I, lo- I love that. I, I think we 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 can talk because in the team meetings, people say, "What have you accomplished? What do you have not?" It's also important at the end of the day, which we Stuart mentioned, 6 p.m. You look at your task list, what you have put in the com- accomplished tasks, and how is your relationship with that? How do you feel accomplished with it? So you feel more productive with continuing yeah. the right behavior the next day. Yeah. I, I'm clearly the oldest in this phone call, then, so yeah, I've found the, the paper method the most, uh, you know, <laughs> I've found one of the things that has emerged in this uh, shift to the, the home environment is, is a back to basics, uh, um, uh, approaches, which is being quite interesting actually to say, you know, we, we seem to go crazy in this new world around the things we can do. And I, 
I found back to basics on lots of different dimensions there has been really, really mm. quite interesting. It definitely, this whole situation has made us as a family reconsider what we really need. The idea yeah. of minimalism and actually needing a whole lot less. We haven't been to the supermarket since yeah. the day before lockdown, so Tuesday last week. Wow. And, you know, it's actually fine. Whereas my partner used to go every day. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you just use things in a different way and get more creative and yeah. ah, it's interesting. You know, we'll need to go at some point. I started a veggie garden about seven weeks ago, obviously without knowing that this was going to happen. Okay. And now we have um, every day just infinite salad leaves blooming in the garden. It's amazing. So you know, if you've had if you have something like that, then you just can start to simplify a little bit. It's quite nice. Yeah. One of the friends I was speaking to working remotely, he's a banker, invests a lot of money for others mm. and now working from home. So he was inspired to improve his leadership skills. So he watched this Netflix from uh on Bill Gates, uh on learning from Bill Gates or something in that sort. And he Bill Gates one practice he said as he working from home and he takes a walk in the nature, and that's his reflective time to sort out the decision-making patterns. And he started following it in his backyard if he can walk out. Uh, he lives in a very nice area and in Singapore. He realized that the reflective time that he found now, which he didn't have because he was always in front of the screen trading with shares and finding oil prices with five screens. Now with that reflection, he's, his trades are going much better. He's able to calculate the risk potential by thinking through the pattern is really helpful. So I'm using that example. Perhaps when people are working from home, use that reflective space very diligently. So yeah. for Bill Gates, maybe walking in the nature, for some it could be quiet time and staying with one thought meditation, like one thought and getting it circling in your head and, and, and finding the answer for it. Or maybe something else like a task list that you want to work on and you don't have the answer to this yet. Mm, great point. Do you guys meditate as a regular practice? That daily, daily practice. I think it's fundamental. And uh, the comment I would make is back to back to the earlier statement of with uh, commute time, you know, being taken out of our day, uh, it even gives us more time to do that. And, yeah. Uh, um, I just find it such a fundamental part of the day to make that time be it five minutes, be it 15 minutes, whatever time you are able to allocate. Uh, I think it's hugely important. And I, I think more so at the moment when you think about the temptation to have your brain spend time, too much time in the future, catastrophizing about what may or may not happen. Uh, meditation is such a uh, an amazing part of Mm-hmm. spending more time in the present, getting your cortisol levels down and actually being able to stay calm and have equanimity in the midst of what is going on for many people. Yes. Yeah, yeah totally. absolutely. Disconnecting from news feeds I think is really important because even myself this morning, I somehow found the mobile phone in my hand before I got out of bed. I was like, what's, that? what's that all about? You know, yeah. Checking numbers, checking the latest update. Not necessary first thing in the morning. There's time for that later in the day. And maybe being realistic and allocating a little bit of time for social feeds and news feeds rather than having them there by default. Or maybe just reduce the number of apps on the phone. That's what I did. I had five news apps 
I don't need to look at all. I just need to look at Singapore one. So I deleted BBC, I deleted CNN. I just kept the CNA, which is what I probably need at this time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And in your guys' experience over the past few weeks, have you seen any companies doing really well in terms of remote working? Anyone you know, has had minimal interruption or they're finding that it's you know, being really effective? Uh, my experience is it's um, too early to even answer that. From what I'm seeing, it's um, a lot of the organisations that we are talking about are in transition mode and certainly getting there, uh, but in a way still finding their feet on that. And I think uh, ask that question in another month's time and you'll have many more examples of best practice and perhaps not so best practice uh, but you know, in, in a way, it's a. I'd almost call, and this is probably not the right language given the the big challenge that we are facing. But it almost feels a bit like a whole, uh, sorry, a honeymoon period for many. Mm. That uh, this is a new and exciting thing to be doing. Yeah. Uh, albeit, uh, it is certainly not a, a great time to be experiencing this, or a reason to be experiencing this with what's going on globally. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree with Stuart on this. Mm-hmm. It's a honeymoon period at this time. I can't make a judgment. I haven't even observed in a company. But what I have one company that I really think are doing well are international schools in Singapore. Many of the teachers are really doing fantastic work in doing virtual learning sessions. They upgraded their skills really well. The, te- the students are coming together from their home, getting virtual classes. They break it out into different groups. They get the discussion going. And the teachers, even if they are uh, you know, mature, they're really getting adapted to the environment and, and learning in, in, in general on how to engage the, the, the students. For, for Singapore, I think many of them are used to. I also feel that uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's still a honeymoon. It's still a honeymoon yeah. period. It's still a honeymoon period. Interesting point though, you raised uh, schools. It's a... Um we are seeing this, uh, interestingly, uh, the schools are potentially the leaders in this space and uh, yeah. I think uh, perhaps they've been ahead of the game anyway because most students have, certainly in Australia, have um, laptops of some description. Mm-hmm. And so it's been interesting to watch their agility in being able to have students stay at home and be tapping into classes at home and then having work to do and so on. So you're right, actually, it's, education seems to be a, a good example of, of how this has been led, not only in schools, but also yeah. in and, and other companies, I don't know if you have heard of Lazada, which is owned by Alibaba. Uh, they don't, so I was speaking to the head of HR, they don't use much emails. Everything is on their own apps. They have collaboration tools. People come together, they join in collectively. Tasks are assigned, they get it done. They work with different teams, PwC, another example, same engagement model. They don't report line to line. They work on engagement projects. Engagement team comes together. They agree to work on this project like a freelance or a gig economy kind of work. They work together and they say, okay, this is your feedback from this engagement, and then they move on to another engagement like consulting. So I feel that what model may emerge out of this is people will have their own self-brand within a company and the kind of work that they do, they would be known for, where people will pick and choose and they would work on a project and how much percentage of the time they're working on this. Hence, the accountability factor will go up. Something like you would hire somebody from Upworks or from a gig economy might happen in the office space. 
not now, but I feel that maybe four, five, six years down the road, people would have to sell themselves to be accountable for, as well as to have their own brand within organization. So I can see it happening in uh, Lazada, ISC, the new age companies are pretty fast ahead. Emails, I was surprised. They don't check emails the whole day. They only check the tool of collaboration, who they're working with. So really? why bother? Yeah, like, wow, that's amazing. That is no amazing. Emails. And so I assume they use tools like Slack or similar. Yeah. yeah. Yes, they have their own. They have their own tools. But yes. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And uh, yeah, I've seen one company doing really well. They're an internet service provider, and pretty much everyone has modern technology. It's a young team, and they've they've experimented with it over the years. And so when this happened. It was pretty much business as usual, except no one's in the office. So, uh, I think some companies, those small tech startups and those types of organizations will adapt pretty much seamlessly. Yeah, interesting. So final uh, point, as a leader or an organization, how can I motivate and inspire and support my people uh, during, during the lockdown, during quarantine, while they're away from the office? Any tips for leaders and organizations? Sure. Um, uh, I'd uh, offer a few uh, comments here. Um, one of them is something that, that we're doing at Spring Fox, and that is um, on a daily basis, I go out with a podcast to the team and uh, help them to understand where things are up to in the business, in the, in, from the government's perspective, from clients' perspective. Mm. Um, and, and so... Uh, and that also includes um, uh, a level of personal sharing as well in terms of where things are. Mm. And that's been received really strongly. So I think, uh, I guess it's part of a, a broader category around connection and communication. And I think this is one of the biggest challenges for leaders in this new environment is to maintain that sense of engagement. Mm. And so podcast is one way to do that. Um, equally, um, this afternoon, um, I'm having uh, the first of a, a weekly catch-up with all of the uh, consultants across our organisation, and we'll be doing that quite regularly as, as part of it on a weekly basis. And, you know, there's a reasonably set agenda, but in part it will also re- be around uh, getting in touch with the vibe of the team and how they're travelling uh, in, in this new new environment. So I think that's... That's the second piece. That's the, but I think the third, third element, though, is I think it's something that perhaps hasn't been really um, addressed by too many organisations, and that is the topic of trust. Uh, and I think trust, we've seen this in our own work on trust, leadership trust, it's really challenging anyway, mm. and certainly has always been challenging in a in organisational contexts, and we know that 50% of staff don't trust their leaders, so that's that's been well supported by Harvard Business Review research and so on. Uh, in this current environment, particularly with remote working, uh, with uh, stood-down workers, um, it's uh, even more challenging, I think, and the, the more likely outcome is that trust will be destroyed, not necessarily on purpose, but certainly from uh, confusion, lack of information, unclear priorities, and the fact that people are being stood down. 
You know, it is, it is such a, a, a precious um, part of leadership that if it doesn't exist, then there's big issues as, as we do emerge from the, this pandemic. And so I think one of the most important things a leader can be doing is nurturing trust uh, on a hyper level uh, in terms of communication, uh, information, uh, um, emotional connection, uh, so very much at a, at a personal level, um, to help that to be to be a positive rather than not. Yeah, that's a great point. Thanks, Manish. fantastic. Yeah, I I just wanted to add it. I capture some points as Stuart was talking. Three things which we all talk about in leadership is as having a vision, having a clarity. With Stuart has shared an example of where we're going, what's happening, sharing some personal stories, personal connection. Second is around alignment the role of a leader. Alignment can happen very easily when you're in the office now, remote working. We really need to make sure that uh, collaborative working spaces or Monday check-ins are done, not only on the task, but on so on each other, which is how are you doing? How are you feeling? We don't even talk about feelings. Uh, or how am I doing? So on the three areas, very important to check in. How are you generally, personally at home? How is the task as well as how am I in, in, in checking in? Maybe adding in a little bit of alignment conversation as a regular practice might be helpful. And the third thing which I have noticed in some of my coaching conversation, execution is having a huge challenge on trust, which Stuart mentioned earlier. Firstly, I can't see my employees, especially in Asia. People want to be very clear of what you're doing. I'm paying you the salary. How are you keeping up? Now I can't see. So I'm already boiling in my head. Is my employee working? Is is he not working? Mm. And that could lead to a lot of trusted issue. What you are checking on to someone, if they're doing it, could look like as if you are putting a camera on to me and checking if uh, you're using the right thing or not. So it's important in execution space, make sure that when you talk about resilience is to have positive comments of when things are going well, to acknowledge them rather than just saying, oh, have you done this? Have you not done this? Because it may look like a lot of monitoring from my boss who is sitting at home and chilling out, whereas always asking me, have I done this work or not? Mm. Uh, so that that is going to be really important. And just Stuart mentioned, trust is going to deplete very quickly uh, if if there are not regular uh, trust trusted conversations being done on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah, great points. Great points. Thanks, I, I think I'd uh, go even further to say some leaders prior to this um, situation uh, had built have built enormous levels of trust with their team. That's how they lead. And they've already done an amazing work there and see it as a as a key priority for leadership. Um, for, for new leaders to teams or for leaders that really, for whatever reason, haven't built that trust, they've got so much more work to do uh, under more challenging circumstances. Yeah. But it doesn't change the point. Uh, that's, that needs to be that priority, not just in terms of getting the work done, but in terms of re-emerging mm. uh, into that uh, space afterwards. And, and really could be one of the biggest ways to build engagement for that organisation. How yeah, you treat people during this is, is going to be recognised as such a fundamental part of your leadership. Yeah. Just one... And Brad wanted to add in here, like we have people, leaders have more time now, work, no traveling, yeah. not many meetings to be pulled into. The priority would be to have one-on-one conversation that they've been holding on for a while. 
in a lot of con- engagements I have with uh, companies, they say, oh, one-on-one doesn't happen. I haven't got time. This is a great opportunity. Dial in and have a one-on-one chat, just checking in with each person. Because in vulnerable situation, the level of trust would be very high. People will see you are more of a human being and just getting to connect. So my my invitation to leaders who are listening in to this is perhaps put that important task of connecting to the team up front now. And it will be a huge leverage point when you go back to business and think of normal. Mm, it's a real opportunity for leaders to reinvent themselves, to establish some new protocols, to start building trust and say, hey, guys, look, this is a new situation. I'm learning. You're learning. Uh, yeah. I trust you. Uh, here's the opportunity for you to work more autonomously, but with really clear expectations, with a shared sense of purpose. And we come back slightly different, hopefully better. But I realize we're up to our time limit. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for joining. I got a lot out of this, and I'm sure our listeners did as well. And I look forward to another session soon. So thanks so much, Manish and Stuart. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Thanks so much, Brad. Thanks for having us. Thank you. See you all soon. Appreciate that. Bye-bye. Bye.